Anime is a vast and varied medium, and if you're not already familiar, it can be daunting to find something you might be interested in watching. This is a podcast where three average anime enjoyers introduce their uninitiated co-host to their favorite anime touchstones, so he can join them deep in the weeds. For this episode, we watched episodes three and four of the Netflix series Arcane League of Legends. Arcane was first released in November of 2021, produced by the French animation studio Fortiche under the supervision of Riot Games and distributed by Netflix. Amidst the escalating unrest between the rich utopian city of Piltover and its seedy oppressed underbelly of Zon, Sisters Vi and Jinx find themselves on opposing sides of a brewing conflict over clashing convictions and arcane technologies. Oh, arcane technologies. I get it. <laughs> up, 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 up. Also, powder. Powder. <laughs> yes, I, I only knew her as powder till the next... <laughs> till the second episode after she literally suffered an incredible trauma again. Mm-hmm. Spoiler. <laughs> if you haven't seen the so first episode... <laughs> Yeah, this is, oh, you thought you got to be happy, the series. We just start off right in it. Yeah. Yeah. I so mean, the, there's nine episodes in the series, and they were released in three-episode chunks, um, three episodes a week for three weeks. Um, so the ones we watched were episode three and episode four, which were, so it was like the the cliffhanger at the end of, the first chunk, and then the start of the rest of the series. Yeah, when I was writing my notes, I just typed up, like, how they began, and like, and surprise, it's seven years later! <laughs> just because, it's like, yes, chaos, let it just be a surprise now. So, <clears throat> for for the three of you who may not have watched it on this, uh, on this, uh, what we'll call... Pod, well, I was going to say group podcast. I, I had something very clever, and then it just slipped my mind. So now I just sound really <laughs> stupid. Um, power through, power very, through. I know, right? It was still going. Um, the very first episode opens with Baby Vi carrying Baby or Powder through a civil war zone, essentially, and a, a insurrection against the city, looking for their parents. And they find Vander, who are, it's kind of implied as a family friend, and, and they look, they look to him. He looks to the left, and there are just the corpses of their parents because yeah. they died yeah, in the probably. revolution. They were well, they were. It's implied they were fighting for the revolution. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it it it. I mean, that's that's how you start a family because he immediately just takes them in and drops his weapons. I mean, he, he's clearly just tearing up the place, uh, and he, but he's like, he does that really great thing of like, no, no, protect the children, and he takes them in, and they become his daughters. So that's what leads to that little preamble leads to this third episode, where clearly everything is fine. They're gonna be a family. It okay. So yeah, yeah this one starts with. 
uh, a little like the resolution of a cliffhanger from the previous episode mm-hmm. uh, where so, Vi is in, you know, basically trouble. is, is yeah, she's like giving herself up to the authorities in order to save everyone else. That's like the simple description, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, just again, I'll give you the preamble. The other half of the first episode is okay. A couple years later, the kids are more or less happy living their lives, you know, in the slums, as one is in the modern era. And they they are going to steal from a lab because they picked up a job from their friend Little Man, who uh, you meet in this episode after Benzo is killed. And during this, things go wrong on the job because Powder accidentally drops one of those little stones, you see. And blows out the apartment. So that leads to this whole, the, the enforcers who have kind of made a peace with Vander and the lanes. Like, we, yeah, they're kind we of need like, a like, sacrificial lamb here. We need who did it to keep the peace. So he offers himself up on a plate instead of his child. And that's how we lead into this. He's not going to let her take the fall. He loves her. He's going to take it and pass off more or less the authority of the lanes to Benzo, who is a junk merchant and is the more or less caretaker of Little Man, the little friend that comes in at, to tell Vi after what happens, you know, I know where they went and they hug because bad things happen. Not to be confused with the really little man who we'll get to later. <laughs> out, out of curiosity, who were the other two little boys? Were they also uh, uh, Vander's Milo- kids? Yeah, Milo and Clagger yes. are, are other kids that Vander has taken in. Okay. It's not outright stated, but it's definitely heavily implied that yeah. Vander it literally has an invisible neon sign that says, all children welcome, safe here. <laughs> so he's, he's kind of an adoptive father. father? Yeah. Okay. He, he will take care of the war orphans because he, he kind of did a war and lost. I mean, yeah, he's like, he's kind of a a dad to the whole zone. In a way, because he's like the head of like underground operations or something like that. He's the one who cuts the deals with the authority and like keeps the peace. Basically, yeah, his deal with the uh, upper city basically is like keep the 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 lane shit down in the lanes, um, and just you know don't cause trouble upstairs. Yeah, don't start Why? nothing. Won't be nothing. When the heist goes wrong and there's an explosion in the upper city, they kind of, the the council and stuff like kind of has to take notice mm-hmm. and deal with it. Yeah, and, and as we go on, we all start to see like, ah, oh, this is the ma- this is clearly someone else's chess game. We're all just the pawns. But yeah, so we we go back. Vander is talking with. I just had her name. Pretend I'm not Silco? looking at my notes. Well, not Silco. Um, Blanco. Bosco. Blanca? Yeah. Bosco. It's Bosco. Not Bosco. <laughs> Did I not? I could have sworn I kept her name in here. Oh, it's further down because I typed way too much. Oh, the Grayson? like. Amanda Grayson? Yes, Grayson, thank you, who has just the choice voice actress. Oh, yeah, she's great. I love her. Bob, Bob, you'll recognize her as, uh, not Ada. What was the other one? Uh, Lakshmi. Really? Yeah. My good old future work cult. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the bad robot lady who die. Spoilers for Destiny 2. <laughs> uh, but yeah. 
she's just the choice voice actress, which is why she had to die, because those are some bills you gotta pay. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, we, we, we were talking about this a little bit before, but I'm the only one here who has, like, any, like, functional knowledge of the game League of Legends, right? Yeah. Can confirm. Okay, so this show may... Maybe it was really funny because I've seen the show and like watching him watch it and react to things was super interesting. <laughs> it was a it was a very special, apparently personal hell just for me. Um, <laughs> it was like, a very special episode. Like you know how they call the underground the lanes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So when you're playing a MOBA, it's broken uh-huh. up into three lanes, and I'm just like. I was I was yelling as soon as he said, "Oh, down and you'll take care of the lane." And I'm just like, "No, we're not. You're really gonna do it, okay?" And it started there. So I'm I'm aware of that being a thing because I played the uh, Blizzard version of that Heroes of the Storm mm. for a little bit, and I'm aware of that kind of titling. But I will give them a little credit. It's like, yes, is it forced? Yes. Is it necessarily the most unbelievable thing? No, everyone, every society with an upper class and a distinctly lower class section of town has their kind of pet names for those poorest and most underappreciated areas. So I can believe the lane and, and as a thing. There's definitely something to be said for, uh, you know, a piece of media that has like, in-universe slang or terms that it doesn't feel like mm-hmm. it go out of its way to explain to the audience. It's just like, you'll pick it up from context clues. And like, in that sense, it totally works. Um, but having the, uh, when it's that like clear, like, like the thing, there are other things that you could do. There are like more subtle ones. Like the, the fact that like it lanes, isn't so much a term for the games. Lanes is a term used by people who play the game you know so uh-huh. it, it, it it's like it's a nod but it's a nod that takes you out of like yeah no we're we're in universe here it's like also don't forget this is a game you play but i i i bring this up because i felt like i had a certain kind of spidey sense watching this show because you say oh we need to take out this character because her voice actress is very expensive and i say oh that character is not playable in the video game so therefore Mm -hmm. they are expendable that's the other side i was going to get to when uh joe brought up or not joe i'm sorry when bob brought up uh milo and clagger i'm like yeah they're sir not appearing in the video games Uh uh so you can guess what happens (laughs) funnily enough Okay, so I don't play lol, I don't play any of the MOBAs, I don't play any of, like, the Battle Royales, I just started playing Fortnite, but that's a different reason. Um, but, like, so, for the whole beginning of this show, my brain connected Milo and Clagger, and my brain thought they were Junkrat and Roadhog, which is a completely different franchise. Yes, also Sir's not appearing in that video game. <laughs> Well, hear me out. <laughs> okay, okay. No one says what the afterlife looks like in that world. Maybe it is just a brightly uh, colored, f- continuously fighting game, and they just reincarnated. Okay, so you get uh, uh, Isakai into Overwatch. 
No, it's just they respawned into their afterlife. No, 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 it wouldn't be an isekai. Because I would mean it has to be a small circle. Oh, man. Yeah, I was going to say more truck slang. Yeah. Ooh, truck cool. didn't come in and run them both over simultaneously on their way to school. I mean, they did kind of just get like, when the show was just like, mm, we're done with these characters. Mm, time for a dramatic death that motivates everyone else. Mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> and just like literally crushes them, just like puts them in a pile of garbage and is like, all right, we're done. So let's I appreciate let's, that. Yeah, let's <laughs> tackle. Let's tackle the the Lanes story just to kind of make Nick cringe a little bit more uh-huh. by calling it that. We're gonna Joey set up a cringe meter every time he kind of twitches. <laughs> take a drink. Uh, so we have Vander who's gonna surrender himself to Grayson. Says Benzel will take over, and then here comes Silco doing his best Dio impersonation. Ha! It was really me the whole time pulling the strings. Here's my. Sir, not appearing in the games either. I'm gonna stick him with drugs, and now he's legally distinct, not a Hulk, and <laughs> just butchers. And it's it's one of those very tasteful because until you're told by the in series characters, you don't know just how gruesome this apparent death scene was. We we saw Grayson, and she looks bad, but Benzo's death, which is kind of the real heart, beginning of the heartbreak, is. Here, you know, he's just talking off to Silco, and then Not Hulk comes in and apparently just ravages him off screen. Yeah, it's like it is it is kind of that tasteful way of off screen, but I thought that the sort of like, like we see the blood splatter over the window, so we see the repercussions of it, and that happened so like quickly and suddenly, it would still had a serious gruesomeness to it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Just the reaction of little man who Nick, I'm gonna I'm gonna spoil something for you. That you'll okay. get this, and anyone else that played League listening to this will get this. Little man has a name. It's four letters long. Said it. Oh, I don't know if they said it in episode three or four, but they definitely said yeah. it within the first four episodes. Mm-hmm. And His uh, name is Echo. Yeah. Right. And so Echo goes. Finds Vi. They both know what happened. Echo says, but I know where they went. And I'm sorry, I skipped the whole. Vander just gets one hit KO'd by not Hulk. And Silco says, okay, bring, we're taking him to the base instead of just killing him. And I'll give them credit. There's a good reason for it. It's not just, I want to kill him later. So Vi does the thing that any child in this scenario would do. She forms a rescue plan because that's what you do as a responsible teen in the slums. And yeah, it's a, it's a very like, oh, the adults have been taken. It's time for the teens to organize to save the rec center. I mean, the undercity. <laughs> and dad. And <laughs> We're going to go save dad's literal actual life in this literal actual life and death situation. Because we're clearly that good. But there is that believable... A- you know, arrogance and determination and helplessness of being that young, but wanting to do something, which I, again, I admire. Um, she goes back, Vi goes back, poor little powder is just worried as all hell about everyone that's not there. Clagger and Milo are collecting junk <laughs> to fight a war against the enforcers or at least whatever, uh, imminent invasion is coming. 
And instead, Vi comes back, tells him what happened. Okay, rally, get all your things, get your kit. We're going to rally up and head out. Not you, not you, darling little precious powder who we will keep safe because she wants to keep her sister safe. She's afraid of what will happen. That all makes sense. Powder has a hard time with this. And again, Powder was very young when she experienced her very first trauma. So this isn't helping things. And she, she, while left alone, has her little stolen gems of, you know, make go boom. And she says, ah, I have an idea. Yeah, she like finally realizes, because up until then, they didn't know what caused the explosion in the building. Um, but like, she like kind of realizes the the potential energy in those gems. He's like, oh, I can use these to help them. And I love that this also kind of indicates she is really, really intelligent for her age. Because she can put these factors together. And then also figure out a way to improvise a shrapnel grenade. (laughs) Yeah, that's one does. Hey, listen. Little precious blue baby is a war genius, but she will be protected. You think? So that's, she, that's she, fun because I, I think that's actually what the um the plot of the next Gundam show is going to be, and I'm looking forward to it. Oops, mm-hmm. oops, child is good at war. Yeah, I I haven't had a chance to watch episode zero, but everything I've heard about it goes that we direction. I'm like, mm. it, it was pretty good. I've I've heard nothing but praise. But uh, to, to redirect to our current war baby, um, war war babies. So Vi and the duo of Clagger and Milo go on a rescue op. They break in. They find the facility that Silco's hiding in. Silco has brought Vander there and essentially explains his plan of, I'm going to make an army of these not hulks and we're going to go to war and intimidate Piltover, the city, to respecting us and allowing me to create the great nation of Zaun, like I always wanted to until you betrayed me last time because I would have literally built it on the broken bodies of everyone here. And of course, Vander, our paragon, says that won't work. You're you're turning all these terrible kids into you know child soldiers. This is not going to solve anything. And we get the idea of what Silco's true objective is here. Well, you are the most deadly person I know. So what if I drugs you and you become a Hulk of mine? Not Hulk of mine. And so the kids are going to rescue him. They, they sneak in through the roof because a very convenient open window is there. Yeah, here, yeah. so here's actually my question. I I don't know if he ever intended to Hulkify Vander because this really was set up to be like like this was obviously like Vander I thought Vander was there just to be bait to get the kids in there so that he could ambush them and I'm like mm-hmm. why does he want to kill these kids so badly well there's always to kill them. I think he wants to use them I can believe that because Vi is a known quantity of a brawler she in the very first episode beats up some of the lowest level lackeys including the primary not Hulk we see here. Creeps. We would say she cleared a creep wave. Yes, thank you. <laughs> and as such, the the she's an own quantity. The others can be used for, I don't know, test subjects, whatever. I honestly, and I agree, there's part of, me, part of him that was like, I will make Vander, because we, throughout this episode, we see there's clear backstory 
of Vander and Soko having been partners in the revolution that happened years ago that cost Vi and Powder their parents. We now know why what happened to end that was Vander realizing that this would only end in the death of everyone in the lanes. So he tried to drown and choke out Silco in their very toxic water. And Silco, you know, lived minor eye malformity <laughs> and he, you know, also derangement. So we, we get that, you know, this is clearly revenge in one form or another. I, I have a few different takes on it. My initial read was, okay, he wants to kill the family because, as he mentioned, or implied Vander would never go anywhere without the children. So if we kill the children and we kill Vander, no one's going to be suspicious why Vander's gone, but the children are still here because they could be a rallying point. But I could also have seen him, if the kids never took the bait, okay, I make Vander one of these things because he's super deadly to me. I have a trauma with him who better to use than the most dangerous person you know. So, like I said, there's a couple different reads in my opinion. I chose the one that's like, it's like he's going to make him a thing. Well, now the kids are there. He knows they won't turn. So just kind of improvise. What's yeah. the simplest improvisation? Everyone I, dies. I think there is a lot of room to, like, put your own reads in it, but I think that's part of the pacing of this show because it is just, like, they were cramming so much story into this episode and like all the backstory between Silco and Vander. And it's just like, like you, you never get like a straight clear, like um, answer, uh, uh, not exhibition. Exposition. Exposition. You never get a clear, just like, telling of the story that happened between them like i still i I honestly don't think i could tell you what uh silco actually stands for but i know vander like betrayed him when they were working together in the movement and so it's it's like it's moving along for a pace but it's like sometimes it, it like feels like the show is trying to punch above its weight and put in all of this deep stuff but it it's, doesn't quite have the time to, to let it all simmer in a way that would pay off. I will let you know, as the story does go on, you get a better feel for what Silco's really trying to do. Okay. Because the, the, the big misdirect is that, ah, Silco strictly craves power. Well, he does. But there is a Charles Xavier Magneto narrative here. Okay. Minus, minus, minus the racial overtones. It's that... We both more or less want the same thing. How we go about getting it is different. What we're willing to settle or call a victory is different. Because as you see, Silco, as we will see later, Silco himself becomes a parent. And yeah. later, and later a parent. And, and in this moment, he, there's clearly, he's got a plan and he's going for the initial, ah, I am the Magneto to your Xavier. There will be war, Charles, because we can't live like this. And I'm not saying he's wrong. It just maybe the way he's doing it is wrong. But it's also understandably necessary because they've tried everything else, theoretically. It's implied. So, with 
all of Vander's children minus Powder there. Powder, in just the most earnest of methods, tries to come in to save the day as the backup plan with her little clappy monkey uh, and her monkey with its symbols, loads it full of these gemstones, puts one in between its symbols, and waits for the right moment as Vi puts on Vander's, or kind of like reminiscent of Vander's gauntlets that he had used during the war, and goes to town on just all of Silco's lackeys until Not Hulk shows up and mm-hmm. chokes her out. And, I mean, you get you get real quickly, it's not like, oh, this is going badly, it's, oh, we know she has to live, but little baby in danger, mm-hmm. something has to happen here. And that's and, when Powder steps in, because she it, sees her... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, and then a powder happens. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then it, like, everything explodes. Yeah, like kudos for her. That that was a genius weapon. But you see, there's that whole we've sealed ourselves in this lab slash prison that Vander's in, and the monster can't get through. Not quickly, anyway. We found a, a weak wall. We're gonna get through. We made it, and then everything just goes a hundred percent south in an instant. The little toy goes off, blowing everything up, kill just outright killing poor little Clagger in the blink of an eye and impaling Milo with debris and then crushing him in the debris of the wall just for that coup de gras. Just just gratuitous overkill on these two boys. Yeah this show pulls no punches there. Very few. There are, like, some opportunities for things that could have really gone farther. But, yeah, for the most part, it's like, no, no, there are consequences. And these kind of consequences you don't even typically see in anime for all intents and purposes. You don't get this kind of just continuous, back-to-back, gratuitous death of children. Yeah. And... Think things just go even worse. Vander gets messed up. He he and Vi are under rubble. He goes to he gets enough strength, rallies, continues taking out minions and dealing with the not Hulk. And and I'm I meant to ask Nick. I'm sure there's a term in the game for those. Honestly, I couldn't tell you. I bet somehow okay. it wraps around. Like so, I'm guessing whatever the the vile. Glimmer, I think they called it. Shimmer. Uh, shimmer. shimmer. Um, the purple stuff is shimmer. I want to say between shimmer and hextech, uh, these are just like basically just used by the game as uh, excuses for why people have, you know, four abilities and an ultimate or whatever. <clears throat> it's just like, yeah, no, this one throws purple magic y looking stuff. Oh, that's the shimmer. I think that's what it is. Fair enough, because I, I can believe that because there's just enough things when I did my own, like, very casual research when this first came out of the characters and what happens in their world in the actual game lore. It's like, okay, there's just enough here to maybe everything has a reference, but I'm just not finding it and I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole uh, because it was like two in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and, but... That aside, so Vander yeah. just gets his ass kicked, and he's about ready to kill Silco when he's on the rebound. And Silco turns everything around and just stabs poor Vander dead on, just grievously injuring him after having already stuck him with some shimmer. 
It may not have been full of shimmer. Definitely a needle, though. No, he just stabbed him with a knife and threw him over the side. And then while he's laying down there and he sees Vi is still struggling, he mm-hmm. stabs himself with the shimmer so he could rescue Vi. So, I so to, to, let's let's not you know breeze by this. He is thrown off the bridge, and you think, mm-hmm. oh, okay, he's being like summarily dismissed by Silco. Silco has won, but then the camera cuts, and he falls onto the pile of shimmer vials, and it's just like, like I just screamed, like, oh no, happy face! It's like yeah. I, I, that was a very like hijinks ensue moment right after this like literal gut punch. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and he, but for all hijinks and Sue, he go he gets real messed up physically. He looks terrible. Oh yeah, but he saves Vi, and in the process, he kind of puts the fear of God into her by looking directly at her, mm-hmm. and all hulked out. Yeah, and he's again got the opportunities. I'm going to kill Silco, and then the building does a collapse. And he's like, nope, I'm going to save the baby, and he does. You know, jumping out a window. Literally falling to his death, but saving her, dying, just succumbing to his injuries. And his last words are just, take care of Powder. And as soon as, you know, the the pain starts to really reach its climax in Vi, a Powder appears. And shit goes downhill fast. Because she's all like, I did it, I did it, I saved everyone. And Vi just turns around and it's just like, like, I don't even know how to begin telling you that you just killed everyone. And you know, there's prob- there's definitely that mix of grief, surprise, a little, you know, okay, at least baby's okay, but everything else is all the dots connected. Baby's okay, but this the baby did it. Mm-hmm. Look what you did. It it's that meme with the child looking at the camera smiling as the building's on fire, except in this case, poor little powder didn't know what was gonna happen until it did. <laughs> Yeah, a, a sense of uh, obliviousness on her face. Yeah, and I I will say this. I will not defend anything that I did or said or even enacted on poor Powder by hitting her. Yeah. But there is a degree of understandability that this child, who has or, both children, who have already suffered grievous traumas as children, seeing them with their own eyes, is now experiencing that again and it's the result of her own little sister, I cannot say I would have handled it any better in that moment because I've fortunately in my life not been subject to that. Yeah. <laughs> and I laugh because it's that or cry. And, uh-huh. and so she does, after yelling at her, blaming her, and hitting her, she follows it up with, I'm like, use my favorite word again, coup de gras, of leaving her. In the rain, amongst the corpses and the rubble, <clears throat> crying, begging for her sister to come back. And she goes off, and, and, you know, you start to see instantly realizes what she's done, starts to cool down, and then yeah, Silco just, shows up. Like, she just, like, stepped away to kind of, like, process everything for a second. But from poor Powder's view, this is getting left behind again. Yeah. And that poor, you feel it for that poor child. Yeah. That, that The actress, the voice actress had the perfect child out of their depth feel for that moment and it's just again the voice acting is perfect in my opinion with the show it's very well done but then Silco yeah, then, shows up knife yeah, in hand Vi sees Silco come in and turns to go back but then um, Marcus who was uh, 
Grayson's right hand. Grayson's right hand, who was working with Silco, um, shows up and grabs her. And it's just like, no, if he sees you, he'll kill you. <laughs> well, it's not only that, it's, I have ether on hand. Yeah. Yeah. Don't say anything, also breathe deep. I'm like, my biggest concern is you have ether on hand. Mm-hmm. Why drags, do you need it? Drags her off into the shadows and I guess directly to jail? <laughs> Spoilers! No. Yes. Essentially, it's, well, you're in prison now for, I don't know, crimes. But the, in its own way, he's definitely trying to protect her the worst way possible. Yeah, very true. He, like, his heart is absolutely in the right place because he knows he's not a good cop. He is corrupt. He's ambitious. He thinks he can do better. But there's also, as we learn much later, he's a father. And he sees someone's child, a child that just watched her dad die and is probably going to lose her sister to Stabby Silco. But... We don't know, or at least he doesn't know until later. And then we have Silco, who sees this child, asks, Hey, where's your sister? I got a question for her. You know, how sharp is this knife? (laughs) Jinx, or I'm sorry, Powder, does the perfect child reaction. And I love the movement in this series. All the character movements just feel so fluid and real. It doesn't feel choppy in any fashion to me. She does the one thing that a child would do in that situation, which is cling to Silco. There's, she tells him, I have no sister. I have no family. Everyone's dead to me. And Silco puts away the knife and holds this child close, gently, tenderly, like a parent would. And we get that classic, classic line in these kind of situations. Don't worry. We'll show them. We'll show them all. As the rest of his lackeys show up, the ones that lived, and kind of surround them. And that's the end of the Lane's story, which is, and honestly, in my opinion, the more interesting of the two parts that we have here. Powder, which, by the way, it's it's for Powder Keg, right? I'm sure, because of the character Jinx. I did look up on my own way back when that it's like, apparently there are game dialogue lines where it's powder is mentioned and other names by Vi that will be relevant later in the series for other characters. So okay. I'm assuming, I'm sure it's powder keg, but as the child, it's just powder in this, in this narrative. Like, okay. Her sister just left her. She just, she's like sitting next to her Hulkified dad's corpse uh, she also is realizing that she just killed like her two brothers and her dad. And then this guy comes up holding a knife and she instantly clings to him. And I'm just like, Oh, she instantly jokerified. She just immediately. She yeah. Like it, it. All I was going to say is I found it a very interesting take on the fact that from the inception, cause I remember when, Jinx first appeared in the game in the internet because I didn't play it, but her trailer was everywhere. Her her little kind of music video slash song, it kind of giving you an idea of who this character is. What probably fourteen? No, that could be that long. Better part of ten years ago now. Uh, everyone commented. I won't say everyone, but I saw a lot of comments saying, "Ah, so she's just like a Harley Quinn." This at least is a better Harley Quinn than 
oh, I, I learned about your mind, and it turns out I'm crazy, too. Put me in that chemical, Daddy. This is a very damaged child who has, for whatever reason, held it together enough to function as a child with her sister and built her world around her sister and Vander. Lost all that. Has nothing left. And now is just completely broken. Whatever was not broken before is just gone. She, powder, ceased to be. And that made more sense to me than, oh, she's just a Harley Quinn and just kind of already insane by nature. Like, no, this at least makes sense. And that's why I appreciated it. I kind of don't buy it, though, because, like, I don't think she's, like, like, okay, I, I don't know much Batman, but, like, the idea of Harley Quinn being, like, like, when you look at that, I, I, I always found it was closer to, like, a, um, like, it was kind of ripping on, um, Silence of the Lambs, the idea of the inmate, the madman, what makes him so dangerous is that he has this understanding of psychology and knows how to manipulate people and sort of change their perspective on him and on themselves, and, you know, he's, like, the king of gaslighting, um, you're not wrong. And so, like, there's a part of that where it's like, oh, you know, Harley Quinn is the victim of Joker's manipulations. Mm-hmm. Jinx is the victim of a cartoonishly compounded combo of misfortune and trauma. Like, so, like, so, like, so, like, that's the thing. I, I, I feel like, like, like. Harley Quinn TM is the better Harley Quinn because there is something there. Like there is like a logic to how she sort of gets into that state. And, you know, especially now with like, you know, um, the liberation of Harley Quinn and, and what was mm-hmm. it? Birds of Prey? Like, yeah. Harley Quinn, yeah. Yeah. They're like, they're also playing with someone sort of like realizing that they manipulated and trying to get out from under that. And there's like a story of recovery there. And there's a character, there is a character there having arcs and developing. J- Jinx is that, but, you know, kind of like you said, it's like, oh, no, she is like the Harley Quinn, but she is the archetype of it and sort of like doesn't have that sort of internal logic. So the fact that they had to come up with this situation that was, again, cartoonishly, comically, grotesquely unlucky and traumatizing to say she broke that much. And even then... I don't buy it because you don't immediately leap into somebody's arms. You, you go into a fugue state and you do not hear or process what people are saying for six months. And then you kill yourself. You do not immediately. She basically like chose to be Joker fied. Like, like Silco did not do anything. Silco was ready to stab her. And Uh like, then she comes around. It's like, no, I'm Joker fied now. And he's just like, all right, I I think I can work with this. Like, it is this weird, like, I don't buy that being the logic of her mental break. I'm I'm sorry, but, like, it, it's just... Fair enough. I guess I also see, that because I, I've known people that are like this, who are just base, just completely baseline codependent. I And when we watch the series, she is absolutely codependent with Vi. Mm. She... Uh, in her psychology is looking for the the next authority to bond to 
as such, she made this choice, and between her grief, anger, everything, I, again, I'm not saying it makes 100% logic. And to be clear, I appreciate modern Harley Quinn that has evolved. Oh, I'm talking, my problems are with the original Harley Quinn as she was originally portrayed. The development since then is amazing, and I agree with you. Fair enough. 100%. <laughs> um, I am, I, I, I would say that I, I can see and believe because of people I have known and also 100% admit, admit I don't have a degree in psychology, so I can be completely off base. But for my well, very minor understanding, I can believe this. It's, it doesn't feel like a terrible stretch. It is, is it narratively convenient? A hundred percent yes. But for the narrative they're pre- presenting, I, I can grok it. Can I, can I bring up something real quick? Shoot. I legitimately forgot that I do, in fact, have a degree in psychology. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's an undergrad, so it doesn't count for anything, but I technically do. You're more of an authority than me. <laughs> so I think part of this... I played the game, and honestly, as far as MOBAs go, I think it is, like the one I respect the most, and that's a whole different discussion. But there is, like, like my knowledge from League is, like, in the development it was, League was the we-can-build-it-better version of Dota... Dota 2 or just Dota Regular? I think Dota Regular. I think Dota 2 followed League. But of Dota, which was a mod for Warcraft 3. So... Basically, what you have is this thing of Warcraft 3 existed. They stole every model in the game to make this mod. Then when they were sort of working on Dota 2, they were like, okay, so everything was built around these existing character models. How do we make like the legally distinct versions that we can use? And then League of Legends comes in and it's like, okay, we're going to kind of do the same thing, but we want to be the gritty reboot version. So we're going to have like more human-esque characters and they're all going to look like they walked out of a Hot Topic. I mean, you're not wrong on that last part, absolutely. <laughs> um, But so like, I definitely am coming into this show with a lot of baggage, which I'm sure informs why I didn't respect it i'm like i won't say it wasn't enjoyable but i i just have like a ingrained disrespect for it um i believe the kids call it hot takes yeah i i I packed a hot lunch and brought it with me to the showing um hot take in that's no that's getting your hot take out hot takeouts no copyright void burger that's different I'm I'm sitting here and, and so like I said, I, I was watching this whole first episode and I was going like, okay, so what they have is a, an archetype of a hot topic stereotype that they're trying to justify and they're doing it with all of these characters who I already have this feeling. It's like, oh, these are all going to get killed to justify why she's crazy. Uh. And it's just like, it was so... I guess because, you know, I had outside knowledge and sort of like some context for it, but it all felt so really like cartoonish and predictable in a way that it had like no emotional resonance for me. It was just like, this is just ridiculous, everything you're doing. And then on top of that, throw in weird nods, like calling the underground the lanes. The, the, didn't even mention. Yeah. 
the theme song is performed by Imagine Dragons. I was going to wait to discuss that, but yeah, you're on. You're going to do that, and then I'm supposed to have some sort of emotional investment in this show? Like, what are we doing? I... For, to be fair, I, I will agree most of the opinions I've seen on this have been, retrospectively, especially when this very first came out, have always been, it's probably better to go in not knowing, because this, the device, most divisive part of this is, well, this doesn't follow the all of the established league lore, and the creators, and uh, who who makes who makes league. I forgot already. Uh, Riot Games. Riot. Blizzard? Riot, thank you. Oh, Riot, thank you. Uh, subsidiary of Tencent, I believe. Uh, sorry, yep. That's why I wanted to keep saying Tencent, but it didn't sound right. Um, Riot says, like, it's, it's not replacing the existing League lore. We live in the era of the thing I hate most, the multiverse. Ooh. How... Right. However, I'll give them credit. They're not saying like, "Oh, all these universes agreed or exist at the same time." They just says like, "This is just an interpretation of the lore that has taken a few artistic liberties, and that that's enough for." And I am not above this in the past myself. You know, saying we're going to divert here, there from an established lore to tell a diff a, a story from our interpretation, the artistic liberty, and those already invested don't necessarily like it. And I respect that. That is their right. I, like I said, I just, I enjoyed it because not knowing what it was, this made me at least interested in what does the league lore look like then? Because now I'm curious how different they are. It doesn't make me want to play it necessarily, but that's mostly because I've seen enough of what are stereotyped as the majority of players for it. Yeah, it's it's rough. I I I get this feeling that it's sort of like um you read like the the difference is like people who are like reading this great like fantasy novel but and you know all they know about it is like oh this book came out and it's getting great reviews. The thing that they don't know is that the person who wrote that book has, you know, it is based on the D&D campaign that they've been writing by themselves and have inflicted on their D&D group since high school and it's like oh it comes from this like kind of cringe lineage but once you pass it through like an editor and some professionals of this medium and sort of re-encapsulate it you can make something good out of it but it's like when you know that past it is so hard to separate the work from the context in a way that's like but I, I, I wrote I wrote this down um, but like knowing what I know about league and about the history and about how it was like the gritty Dota reboot in a weird way, it's like this show felt like try hard prestige, you know, I could see that if, if being in this the game, I could see, I'm sorry, go ahead, Bob. No, after you, after you. no, go ahead. You haven't said anything yet, really. Oh, I was just going to say, would you say it's equitable or equitable to, uh, and I am very guilty of this, uh, watching a movie and reading a book. And when you read the book first, it ruins the movie. Hmm. I mean, Nick's really the only one that can answer that, but it, I mean, that's the impression I'm getting from Nick. For me, Jurassic Park was always hard because I liked Creighton's book better. 
you know, that's fair because Hammond wasn't the nice grandpa that we got in the movie. I think it's kind of the other way. Like, I think it's weirdly like how we consider Shakespeare now because the whole like when you think of like, oh, the the quintessential stage actors, they do Shakespeare in the Queen's Theater. And it's like this highfalutin, like, not royalty, but like it is a prestige thing. But then when you actually look at the history, it's like, oh, right. Shakespeare was basically writing pulp for the masses. And that's why it's full of like dick jokes and drunkard jokes. And so many things are spelled out. And it's just like, no, yeah, this is like, like. For the time, this was the equivalent of, like, the Dimesaur novel. So it's that weird thing of, like, it. if reading the book first ruins it for you, it's it, it's not so much reading the book ruins it because the movie is different. It's you, it's, it's it, I think it really is a thing of, like, you know the history behind it. You know that this whole story is based on a dumb in-joke that some high school buddies had, and now you're looking at it going like, really? It's on Broadway now? That fart joke is on Broadway? Oh, man, that fart joke is on Broadway. Okay. You know, Nick, I kind of get what you're saying, and I appreciate that you're spelling it out, because this is kind of, to, to, to parallel it and kind of help put it in context for Bob, you know how much Bungie wants to do uh, uh, any kind of series uh, that isn't a video game for Destiny. Destiny 2 now, mostly, since it's lived longer. I don't know I could enjoy that, or how uh, Wizards of the Coast wants to do any kind of television or whatever franchise, visual medium franchise of Magic the Gathering. I don't know I want that, and I don't kind of what I'm getting off of Nick here, and tell me if I'm off base, Nick. I don't think it would be a good translation because there would definitely have to be liberties taken from the story that's being presented, and that can cause definitely a disconnect for an enfranchised person. Is that more or less what I'm getting off you, buddy? See, I think Matt... How about... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, for me, my interpretation of your statement is expecting to make art out of something that really shouldn't be. Like, uh, oh, we'll say any comic book property where they're trying to take characters no one knows and make them relevant. Why? Why? It's kind of unnecessary. Yeah, like, you know how they put out like a very fancy Halo TV show recently. Mm-hmm. It's oh. like Nick, this Who is our discussion that? from before the show. Uh-huh. This is the Abrams Star Trek and why it's not Star Trek because there's no actual sciencing. There's no exploration and learning. It's just a, you know, a creative take of look, I can do sci-fi action. Well, cuz it's, it's not even that cuz it's like it's like I'm not even going back to Halo, but it's like Knowing that before this prestige TV show, you know, million dollar budget, whatever existed, uh-huh. the reason it got up to a level that people thought they could strike it in the mainstream is because of red versus blue. Oh, you opened the Pandora's box of things I have very, very Look what strong opinions. Look what you started. Uh, we'll, sum- we'll summate it with. I don't care if anyone does or doesn't. 
like and support Rooster Teeth. I I did at one point. And then I watched saw what they became. And I'm very glad I divorced myself from that a long time ago. Right, but but like th- this is exactly what I'm saying. Like I think, you know, Halo at least has the the blessing Kind of like with everything based on The Witcher. It's like, oh yeah, no, the the Netflix Witcher was not based on the games. They were both based on the books. This is sort of like a backwards thing. Like Red and Halo the TV was not based on Red versus Blue. It was based on Halo the game. They were both based on the same source. The I think the reason why doing it with League specifically is much rougher is because the game is the source. It is as if the the Halo TV was based on Red versus Blue rather than them both being based rather than them both being different interpretations of the same source material. It's just like oh, you have the it, it is it is just like a bewildering radical recontextualization of the source material. It's just like oh, you are. It, it is it is presenting a polished orb and everyone going, ooh, shiny, that's so impressive. And then I'm going here going like, that's literally a turd. They literally polished a turd. And yeah, they polished it really, really well, but I know that started as a turd. I mean, fair. I'm not going to try and convince anyone that, you know, it, you know, to change their opinion by any means. Sure. I personally, I'll still stand by, I still enjoyed it. I I will probably still enjoy it. I know there's a second season coming, and I'm looking forward to that. I, but I, I, I yeah, uh, it, like uh, and again, I, I want to make this clear. Like, I don't think this show is bad. I think having the context of like the lineage behind it undercuts it and makes it sort of laughable. But that doesn't mean that it's a bad product on its own. Fair like, enough. Like, like I, 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 I am ripping on it. All of my notes are ripping on it. All of my notes that aren't just Heimerdinger in all caps with a happy face. Uh, <laughs> the rest of my notes are all like ripping on it, and I feel yeah, bad. That's about what that. you do. That's what you do with League of Legends. You rip on it. I mean, to be fair, yeah. we don't typically rip on things we don't that unless we really care and love them. Certain yeah. circumstances being, you know exceptions to the rule but yeah and and that's good because i mean it's good to care about something and i value this i really do because what what controversial quote-unquote takes what what uh disagreements i see or detractions i see about it aren't what i would have expected but i'm i'm glad for them because it's an interesting perspective to me can i can i drop one more hot take before we start talking about the next episode Give me one second. All I'm going to say is, uh, the rest of the episode, Jason and Victor do a break in. Oh to get yeah, Jason's I was going to research. I was going to yeah. throw in a meanwhile There's... in Piltova. After yeah, finish talking really, about really stuff. side B plot. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. It's like it's key to the story in the long run, but really, this episode is the trauma happens. Also, weird also, science. Jason the Victor, movie. Yeah, Jason and Victor are secretly working on crystals after they were told not to, and they invent hex tech. <laughs> Yeah, nerd, nerd boys doing illegal science. It's weird science minus the uh, female robot and or whatever. I forget exactly what she was in that movie. It's been so long. And they invent magic science, <laughs> which sounds stupid, but I still love the concept. It's like it's magic science. Ah, science without the physics or you know 
Well, um, isn't the line really like, I, we've invented magic? You know, that's what they say, I believe, but it's really, it, when you watch the series up to this point, the whole purpose is not to invent magic, but to harness it, because it's established magic exists, but we don't have it in this society because we're not going to draw a direct parallel to the nuclear bomb, <laughs> but yeah, it go boom, and they're fallout. So, not, not the fallout by... uh Bethesda, uh-huh. the other kind, with the nuclear and the death. And the Half-Lives. By not Valve. that Half-Life, the other Half-Life. You're right, Valve made Dota, not League. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay, now that we got the nerds out of the way, nerds, uh, go ahead. Just the the last like major thing that I just wanted to say about like the show kind of as a whole and... Like, my first blush of it is Sweet. the art style, the way that they have like shaded this 3D animation. Oh no, you're gonna break my heart. Is incredible. Okay. But what they've managed to do is to make like every frame look like hand painted, very like, like, you know, like master illustrator type paintings mm-hmm. and the problem is and this mainly came up whenever it was stills or sometimes when it was just people talking to each other and there was only like mouth motions or like a little bit of head motion but not like anyone turning around it looked so much like illustrations that I kept getting flashes to like motion comics okay I can see that yeah but for me, when I think of motion comics, the first thing I think of is the like motion comic you play through at the start of Mass Effect 3 in the event that you had not played any of the earlier ones. Wow, I haven't thought of that in a while, and I love Mass Effect. Right? Holy crap. And I think this looks better than those, but it is okay, that good. idea of like... Like, oh, this was, you know, when I when I think of that art style of, like, something we got very talented illustrators, painters to come in and basically do, like, really polished concept art. Um, and then to make it feel more alive, we did, like, some live 2D, like, spline animations on it. So it was, like, moving over the different layers. And this show at times looks like that. And the problem is, it's like, this is so cool, but in my brain, I'm going, this is what things look like when you hire an illustrator because you can't afford to hire animators. Mm-hmm. Well, and let, it's, let me... it's such a weird thing. I There's nothing to actually draw from this. It's just a thing that the entire time we were watching this, I could not get that off my mind. Just like, in my mind, this looks like they had to cheap on their budget, even though what it's actually doing is really, really like impressive and stylistic. And it's just like, how did you do so well and end up making something that my brain just looks at and goes low budget? It's like, Oh no, I'm sorry. So let me, let me peel back the curtain a little bit. And I could be wrong on this particular aspect, but I feel like I'm remembering this, right? All the backgrounds are still paintings essentially it's the equivalent of the illustrators matte painting in old star trek in the background 
but they're very well done. And if, I, if, if that was the case, I did not notice it. It all felt really mm-hmm. natural. Like, like that's the thing. There's <laughs> talent here. It is extremely impressive animation. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can see the motion comic. I would even say if this is equivalent to motion comic, it's the best damn motion comic I've ever seen. Yeah, but that, you're right. Yeah, that's the thing. It's it's just like, like you know, sometimes you hear about people making mistakes and it working out. It's like, oh, you're failing upwards. I feel like what they've done here is like they succeeded downwards. It's just like you've done something <clears throat> extremely impressive that makes me, you know, connect it to something less impressive. And it's just like, oh, I feel bad for you. You did so well. To, you, like you deserve better than what I'm experiencing right now. It, it's I, I feel That's bad about fair. it. I feel bad about it. I love I, I for me it was I love the art style I love that it was something I hadn't r- really seen at all in the medium and yeah. in my mind it works so well and I agree with you there is absolutely a lot of talent here I don't feel they failed downward I feel like they brought something that could have been otherwise done incredibly poorly and did it very well with all they had and I'm I will say this I have no nothing to back this up I, it's just my own interpretation I will say. I agree with you that they, there was probably budget cuts that did this, but they found probably the best or that made it the way that you're interpreting it and made it what I like for it in the sense of they did the best with what they could probably hamstrung on some level of not being able to go fully one direction or the other that they wanted. They found a good medium and they made it work. So back in 2013, uh, I love getting facts. Oh, right. put out a music video called Get Jinxed. Yeah. And it was made by a company called Fortish Productions. Okay. And Uh... it basically featured the animation style in the show. Um, And Riot was so impressed by the work that they asked them to make an animated series. And it took them about six years. And then it got delayed a little bit on release because of COVID. Yeah. And then it came out. Okay. You know, that that connects a lot of dots now that I hadn't even been aware of. Because uh, I didn't know they did the Jinx video. I I haven't gone back to watch that, but, you know. I have it open in a tab. I can send you. I'll put a link in the. Yeah, oh, I actually don't know if I've ever seen that. I, oh. I know it's somewhere in, like, my old YouTube likes, <laughs> but that's probably so far down at the bottom. You know, there's a Cthulhu down there waiting as well. Um, they didn't also have any involvement in the uh kda thing did they i don't think so but i, I could be wrong so. okay which honestly i will say this of all the things riot could have done to make arcane uh, that was created by axis okay i'm just glad they didn't kind of capitalize on kda as the focus for their series mm. <laughs> I will say this was, in my opinion, the better of the two choices, the more interesting of the two options. Though I say that, and I am not necessarily a fan by any means of an idol series, but I might watch an idol series of KDA. Yeah, that might be interesting, actually. You, you could have just magical girl it as well. It's just Sailor Moon meets idol show, and then also we'll throw in some of that adult level, you know, violence, sadness, death of friends, etc. Because why not? It's on Netflix. We don't have to worry about ratings. Like I, f- I feel like what they could have done is like 
So in these two episodes, it really splits like the first episode is all about Powder and Vi and all the trauma that leads to their, you know, uh, uh, parallel breaks. And then episode uh, or episode four, I guess, focused way more on Jace and his success with Hextech and all of these things. And the way I recall it, Jace is your like Ryu goody two shoes in the game. Like he is just like, huh? like he is just like a, a, he's just like a boy. He's just like a character. He's like the most like milk toast. And I feel like, oh, he's a Steve. Yeah, I I think not I feel, Captain America. <laughs> no, if only. Uh, no, no I meant like, like we we had not Hulk. Generic. This is not uh, Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean like the the generic, you know, brown hair, little mm-hmm. bit rough, not really much of a person. Chiseled jaw. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, he's a blue planeswalker. Yeah. Um, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> But I feel like there is, like, centering on him would be, like, when the show is doing that, I think the show works way better. Like, every complaint I had about trying to justify Jinx's personality, like, I don't feel that with on on the J side of things because it's like, oh, we have this kind of like this know-nothing main character and then a... Uh, uh, let's call it a harem of interesting characters, many of which are girls around him. And it's just like, all right, we're going to watch people, you know, sort of like he's going to wander around just he's trying to do the right thing. Yeah, okay. And then he's got to deal with the crazy girl and and the Sudendere. And he's got to deal with uh, his uh, childhood best friend, a cop now. There's a a sexy cop in this show. Well, Sexy Cop goes in a different direction than you might imagine. Let me tell you that. Um, I bet. I thought uh, she was a pirate. I, I kind of wish she was. It, it just, I, or I wish she Here, let me, let me do the episode four summary before we get... Sure, yeah. Let's yeah, get this that. is a good time to, to roll I, Before, it. Yeah. I got to cut you off, Joe, one second, yeah. though. I want, I'm so mad, Nick, because now I just re- came to the realization, ah, this is my real problem with Jace. They made Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man one singular character with none of the potentially interesting bits. Yeah! <laughs> and I'm so oh, mad so now. Like, I didn't care for him. Like, everything around him is interesting. He himself is not. He's a cypher. And now I see why. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, but Joe, please. He's a horror anime main character. Yeah. It, yeah. Oh, God. I'm out. <laughs> Joe, go. <laughs> Several years later, Piltover is prospering with Jace's Hextex technology and celebrating its 200th anniversary. Jace initially hopes to reveal his Invictor's latest gemstone device at the ceremony, but decides not to after Heimerdinger warns him on the dangers it could possess. Elsewhere, Powder, now a teenager going by the name of Jinx, works for Silco and helps him smuggle materials, mainly Shimmer, into Piltover. When a job goes awry, thanks to the involvement of an undercity gang known as the Firelights and a brief hallucination of Vi, Jinx attempts to impress Silco by stealing Jace's gemstone and setting off an explosion that kills six enforcers. Piltover's ruling council gives Jace a seat to protect the people from the stolen gemstone. Caitlin, an inexperienced enforcer and Jace's childhood friend, travels to Stillwater Prison to gather information about Jinx from one of Silco's goons. Instead, she encounters an adult Vi, having been imprisoned by Marcus. So, let me fill you in a little bit about the Caitlin-Jace thing. Caitlin is supposed to be much younger than Jace, roughly, like, I get the impression about maybe 10 years. 
And the first two episodes, primarily the second one, we, we find out that the stones powder stole were from Jace's lab. Caitlin was also there. And it's because of the explosion. Jace got outed as, Oh, he's trying to build magic nuke. (laughs) Stop. Well, develop the magic nuke reactor essentially, but no, that, that a no, no. And he get his, his patrons had been, Caitlin's family and his obsession for the magic comes that he and his mother were rescued by an unnamed, but if I remember in my research from almost a year ago, that this is possibly a reference to another league character uh, rescued from dying in this, in a blizzard in the middle of nowhere, just trying to get to shelter and they were saved. Jace is now obsessed with trying to figure out a way to pass on that benefit to society because he's genuinely altruistic. Caitlin's family supports him, so supports him in his endeavors, not knowing that this was the endeavor. And so he and Caitlin are just really good best friends. And it really is just really good best friends. There is no uh, secret pining here in either direction. It's uh, great. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that is refreshing. There, well, there's a reason specifically why Caitlin doesn't pine for him. We'll talk about it specifically at the end of this episode, uh, of this particular episode going into the next one, because I really <laughs> wanted to show you the next one because we understand why there's no secret pining. Um, but yeah, so Jason, when he's called out, is brought before the council and he's, instead of exile, they said, we won't exile you. But you're kicked out of the Institute, and essentially you're blacklisted. And Caitlin's family says, no, no, we will have nothing to do with you anymore. You two don't get to be friends, as as happens. So when the events of Episode 3 for Jace and Victor's side of things, because Victor says, oh, this, this is actually viable. This is good. Heimerdinger, no, you can't have it. We can't have nice things. Uh, and to be fair, he's a reasonably cautious person. My boy Heimerdinger, <laughs> the only guy who like mm-hmm. is actually taking the reasonable stance in this whole show. He does he's... a terrible job of explaining it, though. To be fair, yeah, because he's eighteen inches tall and three hundred and seven years old. <laughs> oh, oh my god! I, I I knew at least when I set this on you, I'm like, he'll enjoy Heimerdinger. He has to enjoy Heimerdinger. Heimerdinger's harmless. He's just fun Yoda. He's fun Yoda and Obi-Wan minus the cryptic. I enjoy Heimerdinger because like, it's, because it reinforced the feelings that I was having that it's like, you can only polish a turd so much, but at some point a Yordle's going to show up. <laughs> and it's just like, you, you cannot hide that this is based on gritty reboot, stupid video game league of legends. <laughs> You need to have a Heimerdinger there. And if you look in the background, there is some of the little Easter eggs. There are books and plushies of Yordles everywhere. Yeah. With them on the cover. So there, uh, your oh, Yordles are there. I'll part the curtain a little bit. I We watched the first two episodes as well, just because you got to mm-hmm. watch them in order. Uh, and there was like a Yordle prostitute in one scene in the background. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the prostitute. That's the mama matron. That's the madam. Yeah, madam. Thank you. Okay, that comes later. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah, she's a speaking character. (laughs) That I was not expecting. That 
Um, yeah, that's the, as this goes on, I think a lot of your, or not a lot, but maybe half of your problems get addressed from what I'm hearing, but, you know, please continue. No, that was it. I just noticed her. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so Jace and, and because Victor kind of like, listen, we're going to do a, a, a weird science, a young Frankenstein here in a sense, behind Heimerdinger's back. And because it was successful, now Jace is the golden child of the city. We always believed in him. You know, as what happens in society. Mm-hmm. And these, uh, I'll mm-hmm. let you know, the stories of Vi and Powder and Jace and Victor do cut, dovetail together at one point later on and goes forward from there. So these two differences come together and okay. you see where the the overlap is. Not in these episodes, but this is really the beginning of where they start to come closer and closer. Um and you get more on Silco again later, but this is again, this is all coming to the head. This is this is definitely the act two of a three act because yeah, there's nine episodes, three act series of your play, and this is that middle point. And it's a very well done, in my opinion, how they execute is a very done well middle point. There's not really a time skip after the middle. <laughs> We're all caught up to where we need to be in time. Um, and You'll meet other characters. I'm sure you would know. But that's where all this is coming from. So now they're touting the golden boy at the grand celebration. And that's part of where a lot of uh, Caitlin's issues come from. Caitlin's mom, as it's stated here, but it's kind of seen and alluded to in the first few episodes, has a plan for Caitlin, and it's not to be out in the real world. Caitlin wants to be in the real world. I respect that. And... So, but they have that lovely, fun, we've gr- more or less grown up around each other dynamic. And I appreciate that instead of the, oh, I've grown up with you and secret crush. We don't have that trope. And I love that. They, they definitely have like a, a, like a, a faux sibling relationship, the way that they're mm-hmm. on each other. I love it. The dialogue in there felt very natural to me. Yeah. I've had those conversations. It, it was, was just... genuinely nice. Again, a little weird because it's just like okay, but she is like a cop here, and also uh, for some reason she's one of the sexy cops. She's a cop, sexy cop, and a sexy heiress cop. Here, here's all your tropes, all 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 of your harem bland bitch protagonist tropes, but she doesn't want you. Yeah, and I I love that part. He's just, he's not like into her either, so right. And I love that. There's no unrequited love. It's we are friends, almost family, and that's all it needs to be. I don't think he knows what sex is. Oh, he does. He will. Okay, I promise you. <laughs> they, in no uncertain terms, he will. He horny for science. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> Science and and maybe someone else that has appeared in both this episode and the previous one that has helped him, and unfortunately to the shippers, it's not Victor. That's okay. There's still boyfriends in my heart. You know they have that relationship. It's close enough. I don't see why it shouldn't be. <laughs> Science boyfriends. Science <laughs> boyfriends. Aw, but uh, yeah. So this one, this one falls a little bit better in it's not really a singular focus it's got it's kind of two focuses but more balanced in this one we have jace being touted out he's got his new development as joe put it out in the uh summary 
And we just get to see kind of how Jace is very uncomfortable stepping out of the shadow of others and making his own leadership decisions or deciding for himself. And to be fair, hearing the wisdom of Heimerdinger, Heimerdinger just doesn't let everyone know what his experiences were, which honestly is my biggest problem with him as a character. If he just said, Mm -hmm. listen, I know it's in the history books, but from the person who was there, this is what happened. If you had a Holocaust survivor come up to you today and tell you, I see a lot of parallels in modern society of how people are being treated, you'd listen. You would hope you'd listen. Yeah. And you'd at the very least, hopefully, if you're not a terrible human being, take them seriously. But he doesn't give them that. And I think it's because he's such a good little person and he doesn't want people to feel bad in any fashion. He wants the best for everyone and to move forward from those tragedies of the past that he falls into that tragic figure moment of, well, if we don't really talk about what happened in the past in detail, we can avoid it in the future. Oops. I I think there's a lot of plot points in this show that really um revolve around the if you had just explained the thing that you knew we wouldn't be here like <laughs> you're not wrong because like that is everything in the last episode that is like victor uh or like vi not telling victor that she's giving himself up he just figures it out victor not telling vi and anybody else that he has a deal Vander, Vander, sorry. Yeah. I know, there's a lot of Vs. <laughs> Vander not telling anyone that he has a deal with the authority up top. It's uh, Vi telling Powder to stay behind when they're going to rescue Vander. It's <sighs> it, every single one of these moments is just like, oh, you should have explained something clearly, but instead you were trying to prove yourself, I guess? or Ooh, Or it's them trying to protect them. It's because, again, right. it's vibe trying to protect her sister but not but saying it but not explaining the full depth of why and what is at stake heimerdinger not explaining how this can go wrong he sees uh one of the things jason victor do is they show heimerdinger hey look we've got these gauntlets that are going to be great for mining and make labor easier on people so they don't you know fall under continuous pain or burn out and we have a laser that'd be great for sculpting for artisans heimerdinger you can tell for his animated expressions ah those are gonna hurt people when they hit them or cut people in half when they get you know exposed to magic laser notably that laser is the arm that victor has on the mm-hmm. game <laughs> yep i learned that a lot of the like last uh Last time I did once upon a time research and it's like, Oh, ha, I didn't get that, but it makes sense because Victor it's alluded to here. We already see he has definitely, um, he, he's, he is suffering from some malformity, some sort of a consumption. Yes. (laughs) Well, he also has to walk with a cane by nature. Things have not been good for him. Later episodes will go into just how not good for him. Because, spoiler, he's dying. And, the you know, tragedy knows no bounds. That's all I'll say. Never have friends. Um, Again, cartoonishly grotesque the way it, it just <laughs> doles out tragedy <laughs> like Halloween candy. Yeah, this is not a happy world. 
this one definitely, this universe is definitely in the side of the spectrum that Game of Thrones occupies the extreme of. And it's, but, you know, you can see that there's, Victor has a motivation. On some level, this will help him and help others because Victor is from the lanes. He understands what it's like to suffer and live in that and come up from that. And he wants to give back to that people, which is beautiful. Love it all about it. hundred percent. Jace has never lived that life. So he's taking things far more cautiously as you would expect. It's very conservative in his approach because he doesn't want to do the wrong thing. He wants to do the right thing, but he, he's also trying to protect people from what he feels are his mistakes or his lack of attention because powder does a steal of more magic stones. These ones now refined because that's truly the great reveal. Can I, can I just say one thing? Yeah, go ahead. I was actually kind of like how we were talking about um, it's refreshing that um, Jace and Caitlin don't have like flirtation. Like there's no like hint of romance there. I felt similar because Jace actually took Heimerdinger's advice and like put off uh-huh. being like, Oh no, this is so new that there's still a danger here. Like, any other show with a Jace like character who is so like um in not, that position. That kind of growing up position. Who is so myopic on their interest on the science, on the advancement. Like any other show he would be the never stops to ask if we should scientists and he would be uh-huh. like no we're gonna do good i'm gonna do it we're gonna bring it out and like heimerdinger's being cautious and i understand that but no this will be good but so uh-huh. the fact that he was like a the the fact that he had a modicum of uh 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 restraint yeah, just like he was just like, no, you know what? That's right. I shall act cautiously. Like there he doesn't have the naivete that I would expect to see in a character like this in like any other show. Yeah, there's there's a real lack of entitled arrogance yeah. or or posturing in him, which for all of for all of his watered down uh big three of the Avengers I can at least respect that of him. It's like, okay, he understands and he's starting to, on some level he understands there is absolutely a danger to these. Maybe we do need to do some more work before we roll this out. Like he still tries to give this presentation of it's coming. Just you wait half life three. I mean, this, this work we've been working on for a while is coming, but you got to chill for a minute. That really is though. Like, this this is exactly the thing that Captain America and Iron Man both had that leads to the movie Civil War because they both uh-huh. have this like I want they both say I want to do the right thing I see this as a way to do it I will not let anything stop me and they come to blows over it so for being like a combined version of those two he's missing this one like naive optimism element and it's just like wow that's part of what makes him so milk toast. He doesn't even have that main character trait. Right. And that's the thing I respect about his character. It's, it's like, Oh, it's refreshing to see one actually use their head for five seconds. Yeah. And again, Heimer, and that's even after having Mel come up and say, but have you thought, have you thought about leadership? about 
being arrogant and having power to do whatever you want? No. No, no, pretty lady, I'm not going to do that. And I can respect that because so many characters, main characters in various other shows and media presentations just give in to that. Which which makes sense because that that is like, you know, the giving into temptation, the the the, a lot of shows will use that as his conflict of like, oh, do they give into the temptation? How are they going to hold back? Do they give in a little bit and then they have to make up for it? Like it, it makes him a far more boring character because he doesn't even have that conflict. He's just like, yeah, I'm just going to go along. You ready for you ready for my assessment of him at this point because of what happens later in the series, too. He's Magic Tech Oppenheimer. Okay. That checks out. Yeah, and this, when you see the rest of the series, you you see that's really kind of how it goes. I'll still keep working on this thing. I'll show restraint. Oh, what have I done? Yeah, that checks out. So, while he may not be, you know, action-oriented or arrogant, interesting, it's still interesting to watch this all the good intentions pave that road to hell. But yeah, it's that that yeah, was interesting. It's also like watching the good boy who's stuck in this web of political machinations and shit going on around him. Yeah, his naivete there actually is probably the most interesting part. It's he doesn't realize half the time when he is being manipulated until it's happened. It's yeah. it's like a reverse Marx brothers like like everyone around him is doing this high fantasy, high political drama, and he is just like too too innocent to know that he's being pulled into this. And he's just like, I'm I'm just gonna sort of step aside from that, okay? And just like let all this stuff blow past him. Mm-hmm. I I do love that. I do love that. And in this, also we you know as was mentioned in the summary, Silco's trying to get smuggle in the you know his shimmer other goods of his production to build his inevitable war machine and these firelights i nick who do you think's leading the firelights i want to see if you can get it because you know the lull i don't know it that well the the only characters i really remember are heimerdinger Akali and um, Jax. I think those are the only characters I know. Okay, all right. I safe safe to say it's someone we've already met by now. Okay. For who, who the leader is? Oh well, then it's Echo. Yep. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Yep. Got it. The only, Got only it. other living person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And uh, again, for, for if you're not for for someone like me who watched this and didn't know who the uh, characters were. I'm like, this could be anybody, honestly. And I didn't even bother to think, oh, yeah, Echo's still alive. Um, But yes, this turns out to be revealed as Echo, and he's kind of the only real force in the lanes working against Silco. But it is very much like a fledgling effort. It is very, very low to the ground. They don't really have a lot of power to do much, so they just hit and run where they can. I could see him and I, being an interesting leader in that situation because when we last, like, he's younger, like, mm-hmm. he's maybe around the same age as Powder. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, I, I, I do think Echo, uh, j- just because he is one of the youngest out of even the, well, definitely out of the remaining living people, but even out of the kids we saw earlier, the idea of a young person trying to step up and fill Vander's shoes, I could see that being a really interesting plot line. Well, even in the very first episode, he mentions how Vi, he's been taking some lessons from Vi. It's rewatching it. I'm like, oh, that little throwaway line was clearly a foreshadowing of who he's going to become as a person. And oh, okay. Uh-oh. Yeah, it's the little bitty details. But also it's just the way that like he's already sort of established in his technique because he is the secret camera, hidden listening devices, like... He's the one sneaking around and like gathering all sorts of info on the super down low. Like even amongst the, uh, th- th- there's scenes in in the previous episode where he's like definitely eavesdropping on conversations he should not be a part of, and uh, it's like even amongst the sort of you know uh, uh, vagabonds of the undercity, he is sneaky even among them. Yeah, he's he's definitely. I, I would say you're. Your assessment of his age to powder, it would almost be an equal equivalent of they are just as equally intelligent as the other, mm-hmm. and they are just their polar opposites in a sense. They are the immovable object and unstoppable force to each other. That's and pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, you know, retrospectively, because I've watched this several times. I, I and there's always like a little bit more I pick on each time because I let my focus lay on something else. And it's just their dynamic really – I'm looking forward to seeing what more they do with it as the series continues. But it's a real good baseline of, okay, they're, they're equal and opposite, and how far will this go? But uh, but to go back, it's they, – they strike. They stop the shipment from going through. Caitlin does her investigation, gets her in trouble with Marcus, who's in charge. Because, you know, the Peter principle at work. And and not to say he's actually truly an incompetent officer, but he is, ah, I now have the power. And he still seems like he's trying to do a good job, but he's definitely still in Silco's pocket. Mm-hmm. Silco, you know, Silco, because of this failure, because Jinx just goes nuts as she does, now going by Jinx no longer powder. <laughs> Jinx killed Powder. Um, <laughs> from my perspective, from my point of view, a little uh, extreme. It's a uh, Star Wars reference, Bob. Ah, uh, how Obi Wan explained Vader killed Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> Same person. Uh, but yeah, spoilers for us. <laughs> what forty-year-old movie now? Well, no, it got re-released in the nineties, right before the prequels. So yeah, true. The 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 trade the advertising commercial for the trailers. <laughs> um, yeah, it was um, it, it Jesus, where were we? <laughs> oh, uh, powder, powder yeah. has re- essentially died as a as an individual, and Jinx is now her identity, embracing the bad luck she has always been blamed for, and always seemed to follow her around, and, and just. Diving in on full full chaos monster. So eager to get Jokerified this one. 
Mm-hmm. And to be fair, this is where I will agree with you. Like she dialed up. To, she's like she she made a conscious choice in that moment as a child. Like I'm going to dial it up to eleven. Like out, out of spite for your sister and in pain. Okay. You you've had plenty of time to calm down. I would also say it's been very well demonstrated to this point. Powder does not make the best of decisions because she's waiting for someone to tell her what the right decision is. That she has just continued to double down on whatever makes Silco happy and keeps her safe and protected. Mm. And we, you know, we, we get a demonstration that the trauma hasn't gone away because she has a, a small chibi clagger in her lab and a mannequin of uh, Milo that she's, she argues with. She's very good at making friends. Literally. Yeah. Um, Out of junk and assorted. And you know, this is one of those cases like, this girl just needs a therapist. Mm-hmm. Some therapist and some, just some real concentrated help, and she'll be fine. But she doesn't get that, and thus becomes what she is. But she blows up, or adds to the damage of the transport and the delivered goods in the ensuing fight with her and Echo before Echo retreats. Caitlin doesn't investigate, as I mentioned, gets found out by Marcus, who, you know, says, ah, dereliction of duty, eh? Well, the night shift to you only to run into Jinx when she does a steal once again from Jace, who apparently (laughs) doesn't know the meaning of the word, you know, locked door, even though he locked a door and they still came in through the window. (laughs) The boy doesn't understand good security, much less basic security. So, it's... And and yet they promoted him to, like, captain of the Hextech SWAT brigade. Yeah. Ah, head of Hextech security and enforcement. Worst pick, worst pick. Yes, kids broke in his window. The equivalent of the bad kids in the neighborhood (laughs) broke into his window and stole the science. He's got negative OPSEC. Yeah. It's like... And I get, you can argue his argument, well, he didn't have the funds or anything. It's like, it's called a locked window. I'm sure they could break through it, but at least there's some effort. (laughs) And, oh, just this kid. And they did it to him twice. The same kid. (laughs) This one's now even more damaged than she was before. So what does that say? But yeah, she sets off a bomb, injuring the rest of the night shift that are just the greatest of lazy cops. And... Injuring Vi. Vi loses her, or not Vi, I'm sorry, Caitlin. Caitlin loses her job, and Jace is the one that has to break it to her by offering mm-hmm. a token position of, you can be my bodyguard. And so she uh, unceremoniously says, get out, and he does, even though she's got her Charlie Day conspiracy board with the thread lines, and she's right about everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> Which I love, you know, it's like, oh, God. Perfect. She's got that little tarot card which does mm-hmm. just look like Silco on it. It's like, like mm-hmm. okay, alright, so she's right. Alright, thanks for telling us she's right. I feel like Silco, I don't think it's actually ever said that he's aware of her in all this, but I feel like Silco, in my own head, is just, he, he's so aware that someone's gotta be onto him that he's built a whole industry of kind of alluding to him as being the man behind the curtain. And just putting it out there and wondering if anyone's smart enough to find it. <laughs> I, I think that's what makes him not bad as a villain? Mm-hmm. Question mark? He's definitely what? a villain. He, he's absolutely an antagonist. He's a villain, too. Like I said, he's definitely Magneto. He's a sympathetic villain once you understand him more. 
Mm-hmm. Is he the best sympathetic villain? No, but he he's doing this for ultimately the best reason. Also, because he still wants power, but he he it's implied later he wants power because he believes he can do it right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's good. It's it's weird to me that like the way this show is positioning its sides is like. No, actually, the, like, undercity, close-knit, self-regulated community and also the fascistic uh, authority, oligarchy, no, that's not the word, Uh, oligarchy, oligarchy, authoritarian cops, they're both the good guys, actually, and this guy, who also is the good guy, but is bad because he takes things by force, and it's just like... Like, mm, are you sure? Are you sure these are the sides you want to present? I, I, I think it does kind of go back to you know, League of Legends is a game with backstory that was basically built piecemeal, and this is kind of what you do. Like in a weird way, it has to be all sides are equal in importance because you could be playing any one of these characters. Any one of these could be your main character. So it, it's it. Has... And you don't want to disrespect someone's favorite. Yeah, no, every character is somebody's main. And it's, but I, I would say also there's a, there is a degree of realism because in any true societal struggle, there are two sides where there's a lot of important players. Sure, they may get killed or lose in the end, but they're definitely key for that moment in history. And I would say by that extension, it gives a a degree of credibility because not everyone at this point you see will make it to the end of the season or at least make it past the end of the season. I'll put that there. Yeah, it makes sense. And show loves to kill off characters. Yeah. Show loves to kill off characters that aren't in the game. (laughs) Um, I mean, even with characters from the game, they've got plenty to churn through. (laughs) Oh yeah. Cause uh, Savika, I, I honestly don't remember her ultimate fate in this series. I know she gets beat the hell up. <laughs> Won't say by who, but I'm sure you can figure that one out. Um, and I, I at some point, I lose my memory loses track of her where she ends up. But she she survived the destruction of the initial facility of Silco. Silco takes over Vander's bar, makes it the ultimate trope, you know, nightclub slash power broker headquarters. And we, Savika now has robo arm because she lost an arm in the, uh, the uh, last episode's fallout or as a result of its fallout. She did totally lose an arm. Okay, I noticed that they, like, put the cape over one side, and it was just like, yeah. okay. Well, when she she pushes Silco aside to, like, take the brunt of the explosion, and in the, like, silhouette of the explosion, you can see her arm disintegrate. Yeah, it's definitely mm-hmm. a thing you miss it, but if you catch it, it's like, oh, well, that. Um, but then why did only one arm disintegrate and not her whole, you know, deal? Tied. Well, you see, the full force of the explosion. Yeah. The full force of the explosion was just right there. But. Magic science. And Savika doesn't like powder 
jinx, excuse me, at this point. And, and I kind of get why for many reasons, because. Yeah, she's a loose cannon. She's unreliable to have on any mission. Not only that, not only is she a loose cannon, Silco absolutely is letting her be. He, he's completely convinced he's got her under control, but it's mostly because she's absolutely useful. And even when she screws up later by killing a bunch of enforcers and stealing stuff, he gets what he didn't know he wanted for Christmas, the refined power stones. And when Jinx does that, you know, her motion definitely conveys that kind of contrite, childish, uh, approach when she goes to hug him after or as she presents that gem to him is it's that everything's okay now right and he lets it go because she's his daughter now and she's his favorite and he will let her get away with literal actual murder there's the moment they have that little moment where like she's doing the eyeball injection to him mm-hmm but like that's followed up where they do the thing where like she rests her head on his when she's sitting on the desk and he's in a chair and it's like they have this moment which is definitely posed as this like emotional resting thing but it is like like again very harley quinn like she's emotionally attached and he's not but it's it's in this weird uh, again i i i get what you mean that he's like a more sympathetic character. And I think in part it is because he's not really manipulating her. He is like sort of taking a bad, a, a father role, a bad father. Like, oh yes. Like he is acting like he is acting like a father, but the thing is he is acting like a father in some <laughs> real ways. And it, it's, I, I don't know. It, it just feels so weird because like, she is definitely, you know, Jokerified. I'm going to keep saying it because I wrote it in my notes a lot. Um, she is definitely like all in Jokerified. I'm crazy now, but he's not the Joker. I think that's kind of the most interesting thing it does. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a reason why, as bad of a dad as he is, he's not as bad as you think in the end. Because yes, he's absolutely using her. He's not necessarily manipulating her because she chose to be there. He's not stopping her. So, okay, you chose to be here. You're here then. Because there's no, there's no threat to do this or else I'll leave you. He, he's aware. She's just going to stick around. Um, we get another Vander situation later in the series where Jace and Silco meet. And that's where Silco kind of lays out what he wants. And Jace acts like a real fledgling starting to come into his own leader, making a decision that he knows is going to be very unpopular with the council. And one of Jace's terms is, okay, we need the person who's been blowing up the things, stealing from my lab since she was a child. He doesn't realize that connection. But we need this to end and that that is the price of you getting your nation of Zon, the lanes becoming essentially their own recognized power and Silco is by himself so he thinks at a fountain and musing aloud as you do in narratives about his dilemma and we find out at the end 
he was never going to turn her over because she meant that much more to him than his own ambitions. That's... Yeah. It's so weird because we get this, we only get the side of he's absolutely using her because she volunteers to be there. But he has grown to genuinely care about her. I think that totally does track. Like, it's it's definitely more of a, you know, she's a lost puppy to him, I think, more than oh, a yes. daughter. But, like, yeah, you can end up caring about a pet that much. It's, I, it, it, I guess it depends on how they build up to that, you know? Like, how does he treat her consistently over the series? I bet that plays just fine, though. I would say, really, it would have been more accurate if he'd he just said, "I've I care about you. I want to protect you," because I feel like it's definitely that lost puppy love. But he, I believe, he does use the word "daughter," if I remember correctly. I think and, he also just sees some of himself in her. Oh yes, her situation. The betrayal of Vi and her. And I'm sorry, go ahead, Bob. Oh no, I was agreeing with. Oh, oh okay. Um. Yeah, it's it's like Vi and Powder had their splitting. Powder was definitely the physically weaker of the two, but intellectually smarter or engineer on a academic level, as opposed to Vi. And the big one walked away, betraying her, just like Vander and Silco. So there is that, but it, it's it was nice, at least from the narrative perspective. I was like. Okay, it wasn't the he has a breakdown and Mitzi was always just using her and or sacrifices her for his ambition. It was just a nice parallel and it was so interesting because you get the feeling that initially he had no intention of truly caring for this child beyond she's usable. Do you think do you think if this show had come out before delays, before however long, do you think Silco would have been an ideal Tumblr sexy man? Don't say it, no! I said <laughs> it! I said it! it. <laughs> but because cause kind of what I'm hearing here is like, it's one thing to be like a sympathetic villain, you know, the villain is the hero in their own story. But like, yeah, even the Joker does that. And the thing about this guy is that he's not the Joker. And so, as some, like, again, you know, this is sort of speculating on things I haven't seen. But the idea of how much is it he is sympathetic only because he is not painted, painted as the most, like, vicious, vile creature ever conceived. You know, it's just like, oh, he's he's... He's kind of a bad guy, but he's not completely bad. It's like, does he have to, like, strangle puppies barehanded before we we stop thinking of him as sympathetic? I mean, Bob, cover your ears, but we did see him loose, mutated rat on the cat in the first episode's ending. So well, he kind of strangled puppy. Yeah. That's right, he totally it. did. Rude. Rude man. It, I would even argue that by taking Jinx in, that was his unintentional road to redemption kind of arc. I'm not saying he is redeemed, but it redeemed him enough to not be who he was initially. So Vander got his revenge in the end because it was his daughter who then took Silco down from his initial huge plans of revenge ambition. Well, yes and no. I'll let you see that later. Um, 
I would say it's almost he understood Vander was right. He came to understand Vander's position. And I think that that's what makes Silco ultimately more interesting is he doesn't realize this has happened until for essentially the end of the season. And it's like, oh, oh, it's not the, are we the baddies? It's like, oh, shit. Was he right this whole time? And I just didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. what it that's, is. That's a good comeuppance. <laughs> but uh, so, like I said, all these things happen. And then poor Caitlin, who is essentially she's lost her job decides no no i'm colombo now and puts on her her uniform goes to the prison that she heard the there was a survivor from the ship uh, airship massacre was sent to she finds out he had his jaw busted in and essentially is in the med ward feeding through a tube etc etc because somebody in the prison, we don't know who, saw him, recognized him, and beat him the hell up. <laughs> and Caitlin it, decides, well, I want to go talk to this one. So she's let to go see this prisoner, and we get to see Vi, and spoiler, Caitlin has her awakening. <laughs> because I understand in League, there has the line of cupcake being used to address Caitlyn has been used by Vi's character and it gets applied here and we understand a little bit why. Because Caitlyn's not the only one who has her awakening Vi. <laughs> and to be fair, there's nothing to say like, this is the moment. But it's definitely the moment of, hello. <laughs> and they they become... Uh, insert the the Futurama moment. Are you two good friends? I thought we were good friends. It it becomes that, and it grows more, and it becomes again a beautiful tragedy. The show loves to have tragedies. <laughs> it does. Well, it, again, this one this one becomes a more of. There's two ways to handle a thing. I can't go your way. I have to go my way, and. It, it, it's it still dovetails back together because you know it's it really sucks when your family doesn't approve of your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those. There, I've seen enough comments when this was first rolling out, and still after season two got announced, etc. You know, if this was just baiting between Vi and Caitlin, there will that will probably bury this show. Because they have the closest thing to a healthy romance that develops and, in my opinion, flows as naturally as it can in this narrative. I don't mm. think they were baiting it. I think Vi's going to be an enforcer in season two. Oh, not that baiting. The other baiting. The, just, and, and maybe I'm misunderstanding. The out, I'm, I'm sure she'll join. They're going to work together. Oh, oh, yeah, they'll work together. That I have no doubt about. But the actual maintaining and furthering of their uh, relationship. Oh, definitely. If Because I'll be honest, if they don't, this is one of those times I've joined the masses <laughs> in, in their, you know, shipping demands. The, you, you have now set up a, a very interesting paramour dynamic. I want to see this follow through. And give them a, a relationship as healthy as one can be in this world they exist in. Mm -hmm. Because okay. people deserve to be happy. Yes. 
any more notes about these specific episodes? Because if not, I have a question that needs to be answered. Okay. Some... I'm buried. Oh, go ahead. So, go, go on. Oh, I was going to be a smart ass. I was going to say, I'm buried in Grant's tomb. Oh, okay. Um, well, some keen-eared listeners may notice that in the opening, we say we're going to talk about anime. And you may notice that Arcane is not an anime. So why did we include it on the list? Because this is this is very clearly in its style and approach influenced by anime. Because let's be honest, if this was influenced by American media, an American, well, I wouldn't say, because Tencent is an American, correct? It's China, right? Yeah, Tencent is China. Tencent. And, okay. And the animation studio is French. It's French. Okay. So if it's going to be usually made in America or by Americans, it's going to be preferential for live action over any other format. I'm not familiar enough with France's media to say what they tend to go to, but I am aware that peripherally there seems to be more live action than not. So, and this is not to say China doesn't have its own animation industry, which I know very well it does. This definitely, though, is heavily inspired and influenced by that and anime. It has a very story-focused narrative. Could it have been done live-action? Sure, the budget sure as hell wouldn't have been there for it. Um, And this definitely can serve as that jumping-on point, which is why I chose to include that. It works very well as that bridge between worlds. This is something you're kind of familiar with, the video game, or at least peripherally aware of in current pop culture. I think there's also something to be said for a lot of Netflix originals, even when it is anime, it's also kind of 3D animated. True. And with anime, over the last few years, having dipped its toe in, to 3D animation for its series and movies. This works as that kind of bridge. It's very stylized, much like anime. And it's very colorful, also very much like anime. You have, in my opinion, very, very well done character designs, which, depending on the anime, you have or you don't. I think we're skewing away from a lot of those that don't in our choices. Uh, and you, you do also have that one missing ingredient that's mi- left out of a lot of American-based animation productions, which is children can die. <laughs> that doesn't happen in every anime, but it does happen. This is very much like, like I was saying earlier, I think this show has a very prestige, try-hard feel to it. And I don't know how much of that is because I know what League of Legends is, but you know I can't get past that idea. And I think that is actually the one thing that makes it not feel like anime to me because a lot of anime, you know, a lot of seasonal stuff that comes out, like so much of it comes out. I think anime does end up being a bit, a lot of anime is kind of pulp kind of stuff. It's just like, Hey, this is without this season. We're going to get a season of it. Maybe it'll get a second season if it's well received. And like, it takes a long time to know if something becomes classic because there's so much to wade through. Um, But if you take away that, like, prestige try hard feeling i could totally see this being like the same level of like 
capa- uh, of complexity and, you know, the, the sense of like tasteful, but still gratuitous violence and tragedy is like, it, I could get big, like Bacchano vibes off of it is honestly what I'm thinking <clears throat> the way that it's a lot of overlaid, um, you know, storylines and what's dovetailing and who knows who and, uh, jumping through time. It's got a, it's got a, it's got a time skip in it. It's got a, <laughs> the second, the second episode we watched was arcane Shippuden. <laughs> and let's yeah. be honest. Don't worry, Bob. We're not going to subject you to that. It's okay. Isn't that Naruto? Mm-hmm. Oh God, he knows. Yes, it's a Naruto. <laughs> it's the end of the world. Bob got an anime reference. <laughs> so, I didn't know what that meant. It's just, I thought it was the same show. Yes, it is. Oh. Um, <laughs> and, and to be fair, time skips are a very prominent trope in anime. So there's a lot of, and I'm not saying they don't exist in other medium, but it's definitely one that makes itself very well known in a lot of various different series. So I would say also watching this when I first watch it and even watching it now, I get feels not only of Bacchano, but with the consistent, Oh, things are starting to look up and then they go bad. There's a lot of like fate stay night and fate zero in this of, Nobody gets to be happy, do they? It's all just a tragedy. Yeah. I, there's also a little bit of like, and again, I, I think this is part of the lineage, but there are so many characters who are more like archetype than character. Uh, and because like, you know, you think of League of Legend and you think about Akali and last time I checked, like whatever lore you give it, it is kind of like, okay, we're going to throw some ninjas in this game and <laughs> we'll come up with the backstory for what they are later. And you can make good backstory, but you do just kind of throw ninjas in the game. I mean, you're, you're not wrong by any means. Absolutely. In, in a way that is like with the neon and with Jinx, it's very much the, you know, like I said, I always had this feeling that it was like the gritty try hard reboot of a Dota. It's like, oh, what if Hot Topic release their own Dota? But mm-hmm. you look at Hot Topic and you look at, you know, pop culture trends and stuff like that, that's also super Japanese uh inspired and and, you know, um um <laughs> informed. So there's this big long runaround way of being like, yes, it is very Japanese inspired in that mall hot topic high school kind of way, I guess. Exactly. You mean kind of like Naruto, Naruto, and because uh, I will give that show no respect. And uh, Bleach and One Piece kind of got their way in through hot topic as well, not just through being aired and being part of the big three at the time, but in America, that's kind of one of the vectors. They were injected into society. I would totally reinstall League and see what was going on if they gave everybody a Dragon Ball equivalent skin like they did in Fortnite. No. Who is the Goku of League? Now I'm mad at you because I would actually play League just to see what those parallels are. Right. Okay, changing the topic completely. There's probably hey, a Monkey King. There's a Monkey King in Dota. Oh my god, Goku is in League. Hey, Bob, how'd you like the show? Okay. Yes, what are your thoughts? Here, here is where I found it interesting that you picked episode three and episode four. Okay. We got an ending of one part and the start of another, which mm-hmm. in its own way found a little cheaty for me because I really want to know what happened before and I really want to know what's happening after. Yes. I want, uh, you, I, I want you to, I want you to want that. I have no basis of knowledge of League of Legends. Like literally none. 
Yeah, uh, so for you don't need it for watch to to watch the show. I didn't either, but I really like the show. I'm a genu- You're good. Yes, I genuinely enjoyed the show. I the only person I didn't like, and I have to agree with Nick on this, is the powder uh, jinx transformation. It's like it was mm-hmm. so sudden that I'm assuming it's explained more later on. I hope, but otherwise perfectly fine jace so boring but that's okay mm-hmm. uh the animation i enjoyed uh for me being a uh an anime novice or not no i could see where the stylized lines and the quick action could make me think my only experience being dragon ball like hoo ha go fast mm-hmm. go here go there so so you're telling me the lack of Kamehameha's didn't ruin it for you? No, the lack of Kamehameha. We had an explosion with a monkey symbol. We, we did I'm kind happy of, about this. There's your Goku parallel, monkeys and symbols. We did kind of priest past it, but the fight when Vander is still strapped down and Vi goes out with the gauntlets and the yeah, that's that they have awesome. Such a good action scene. <laughs> It is, isn't it? And then Vander picking it up and being like, like he breaks like handcuffs or something so he has like improvised brass knuckles and it's like mm-hmm. I love like okay it may sound like I've been complaining about when characters are archetypes more than characters but I love when the dad character lets out the monster that he used to be and gave up for a peaceful life of being a dad I love that moment mm-hmm. in Joe mm-hmm. so I want to interrupt you real quick by, by saying that's why I wanted you to see these episodes, because I wanted you to see, without giving you the end of the season, which has some, or other parts that are more emotionally resonant once you watch the, everything that came before, I wanted to give you a really damn good fight, and I also wanted to give you the, ah, but where are they now, that it comes immediately after that. Mm-hmm. Which both provided, so they're great intro to the shows to kind of drag you in and want you to watch more. So I would give this probably, oh, 4.5 explosive crystals out of 5. You said 4.5? Yep. Okay. Out of 5. Now, is it, gonna... is it a, a top lane, a mid lane, a bottom <laughs> lane, or a jungle? jungle. <laughs> or is it a bottom uh, lane? Uh, which is the one which gives you the most points? Uh, hmm. Uh, hmm. <laughs> oh my. Here's the thing. I've never been good at MOBAs. <laughs> that might be Jungler. There you are. Then that one. Definitely that one. <laughs> Give it three knockdown towers out of nine. Yes. So, Bob, here's the real question for you. Would you want... Would you be of the mindset to go back and watch from episode one forward? Is that something you would want to do? I think I would be more of the mindset of watching episode five onward. I mean, absolutely do that. I encourage that. I'd say one and two kind of give you a little more depth and uh, understanding to everything. But essentially, mm-hmm. yes, I, w- I really would want you to see those. Yes. So that's something you, you'd say you would want to do that you feel, I don't want to use compelled, but something you might do ne- Interested. next weekend or a month from now interested at some point maybe in the future continuing that on fair well that's better than one of our uh 
beta episode results. <laughs> the one I can think of. Well, then I guess that only leaves us with the last question of every episode of Deep in the Weebs. What are we watching next time? Oh, here we go. We got to the options. <laughs> yep. Okay, so... All right. So we have three things in this tier. We just watched the first. We have two things left. Okay. So your choices are between Rise and Grind, get that bell pepper and beef, no beef, or... Heavy metal karaoke to soothe the nine to five to soul. I'm gonna go with the bell pepper. All right, good. Bob, job. you made everyone happy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think this one. I think this one's gonna be interesting because, uh, this was uh one everyone suggested, which means we're kind of gonna have to collaborate to figure out what episodes to watch too. I yeah. would also say this is one that is very highly regarded as if not a the pinnacle of anime. I don't depends know. on your definition of anime. Like that's why it's True. Into, it's why it's into just good TV tier because some people say True. it's the best anime because it is the most like other media. Whereas I think, oh you want to talk about the pinnacle of anime, let's talk about Chobits. Well that's why I said some people, because there are people that will say this is hands down the best period. Yeah. So and, congratulations, Bob. You chose yes. Cowboy Bebop. Oh, okay. and not the live action one. Thank God. <laughs> I've I've heard of this show, so there is that. <laughs> Can I watch the live action version? I actually haven't seen that yet. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Okay. Oh, okay. God. Yeah. Let me uh, let me tell you. There are some good things. There are some bad things. There are some really viciously bad things. I wonder if it'll also make me think of motion comics. <laughs> no, no. You I remember? Mean, probably, because from my understanding, it's like they're trying to hit a lot of the like iconic visual shots and stuff. So it is basically just like, oh god! So it's like uh, the Watchmen movie. <laughs> Not only that, they change a whole lot, and they try and take one season's worth of content. And make it to, spoilers, there is not going to be a second season. Oh, boy. <laughs> it was canceled, oh. like, a month later because oh, of the backlash. Oh, boy. All right. Well, okay, we'll watch the cartoon one then. That'll be my extracurricular if I want to condemn <laughs> yeah, myself okay. to that. I, Nick, you know what we could do? We can always do a special episode where you, you and Joe and Bob watch that, and I go back and suffer <laughs> through it. Because oh, there there are some good choices in there, but again, I'm I cannot emphasize enough. Read between the lines, you two. There is a viciously bad aspect of it. Oh yeah, all right. I hmm. yeah, say yeah. I don't know. <laughs> how about how about this? Uh, that'll be a bonus episode for uh second tier Patreon subscribers. Yeah. We need to do a Patreon. <laughs> First, we have to get enough audience to do a Patreon. Then we'll watch the bad one. We yes. might get a Patreon. Oh boy! All right, so we'll pick specific episodes off mic, but Cowboy Bebop next time. Awesome. Uh, so that's gonna do it. Uh, and I'm gonna hit the button to play the outro, and then we're all gonna say bye. So for all of us here at Deep in the Weebs, take it easy. Bye! Wrong button!
I'm going I- bot. <laughs> Deep in the Weebs is a show by Chuck, Nick, Joe, and Bob. Our theme music is Kawaii Friends by C. Cotty 3. You can find our show on YouTube or subscribe to the audio-only version on iTunes or wherever podcasts are served. Thank you.